Welcome to Let's Reinvent School with Ross Danis. Take your assigned seats and listen close as the next hour will have you rethinking the public education system. While you listen to Ross and his guests share their expertise and experiences in the field. Class is in session. Here is your host, Ross Danis. Welcome to Let's Reinvent School, the program that focuses on what's possible, not simply what's wrong. Today, we're going to explore the many ways that schools can foster critical and creative thinking in students without reducing standardized test scores. That's right, without reducing standardized test scores. We're fortunate to be joined by Dr. Sharon Jones, who, as I just learned, also had a Voice America um, on the Variety Channel show of her own. Dr. Jones has uh, found her passion in education and has served as career and technical education teacher uh, in two school districts. She's a senior technical trainer with Central Piedmont Community College. She's also a well-known industry trainer and and mentor working with organizations with like-minded missions. She's taught courses in computer programming, web design, e-commerce, computer, computer science, principles, and SAS programming. She's presented and published nationally and internationally. Her book, How to Plan Your First Analytics Project is being used in curriculum and classrooms around the country. And when not running the technology world, Dr. Jones spends her time with her husband, Ricky, her two sons, Ethan, seven, and Dylan, four, and their beloved dog, Cooper, who's 10. Welcome, Dr. Jones. Thank you so much for having me, Ross. Thanks. (laughs) I'm glad you're here. We also have the privilege of welcoming Jayla Sloan and Allison Taylor. Allison is a member of the last class to graduate from Vance High School. She's just completed her freshman year at Fayetteville State University, and she's studying psychology there. Allison has been a student athlete for the last 10 years. She loves to run track, and she recognizes the direct connection between mental and physical health. Jayla is also a member of the graduating class of 2021 at Vance High School. Jayla's completed her freshman year at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro, where she's studying, it's hard for me to say this, kinesiology. She was drawn to that field because of her ambition to become an athletic trainer. Welcome both Allison and Jayla. Finally, serving as our respondent in segment three, we'll be joined by the amazing Mr. Omar Parks, MECAD's extraordinary director of Career Pathways. Omar will help us answer the question, what have we learned today? So let's dive in. With the current focus on standardized test scores as a measure of success in educational attainment, it's reasonable to believe that there's just no time to foster critical and creative thinking in our young people. It's just not true. One does not exclude the other. Our schools can graduate critical and creative thinkers as well as students who score well on test scores and standardized tests. First, we have to ask ourselves, what's the purpose of school? Is it vocational, meaning do we educate people who will be prepared for the workforce? Is it to prepare our young people to be citizens? Is it to cultivate and nurture a range of talents, intelligences, skills, dispositions? In other words, is education supposed to prepare young people for their future, not our past? Dr. Jones, weigh in on this. What what do you see as the purpose of education? Well, I've always believed that education is what I would consider the great equalizer, where you have the opportunity to learn and grow and develop as a learner. When we think about the way that standardized testing has been implemented, what really has happened is the 
need for a quantifiable measure of what's occurring in the classroom. But the true learning happens in the relationships that are being built, the opportunities that students have, and the ability to take what they're learning and apply. So while standardized testing should, I, 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 I have a very mixed relationship with standardized testing, Ross. Uh, I, I can go down a very long path with that. But I do believe there is a place for testing in our school system to give some quant quantifiable information. But at the crux, the goal of education is for us to grow as humans, to be better have better understanding of the world around us to be able to take those concepts that we are learning and apply them so that we can walk into the world and be meaningful citizens. And the thing about education that's so exciting is that there's always opportunity. We live in a world that's moving fast and education provides that opportunity for you to continue to learn and grow and become better as, as a person. So what it means to be literate today is different from what it meant to be literate in 1950, for example. The stakes have changed. Our graduates are living in a complex, multinational, as you said, rapidly changing, and multi-logical world. Preparing them for these challenges on the horizon is going to require them to be fully formed human beings who think and yes. uh, deeply and interrogate issues and are, are skeptical. So before we we actually move on and, and speak with our uh, young adults here who joined us today. Let me just pause over what it means to be a critical thinker. Critical thinkers are first and foremost, they're metacognitive. That's a fancy way of saying they think about their thinking while they're thinking. It's not that complicated. Why do I believe what I believe? Why do I think the way I think? Where have I seen this before? Why is this making me mad? People who think about their thinking are thinking metacognitively. They're also fair-minded. They can see the world from another person's point of view. And they're constructively skeptical. They search for truth. They value evidence. They're skeptics, not cynics. In other words, they're fact finders, not fault finders. So before we go any further, Jayla, Allison, either one of you, to what extent do you feel as though your, your high school experience prepared you to think skeptically, to be fair-minded, to think about your thinking while you're thinking. Start with um, Jayla. Go ahead. But I feel like um, Vance High School has prepared me to think fairly, fair-mindedly, and open-mindedly by just the range of classes that I was able to take. Because, um, for example, in high school, I took a class and. Um, it prepared me how to uh, think on my toes, how to respond to questions, and how to think logically within a topic, and also how to work with different people. Because work with different people, you work with different people's personality. With people of backgrounds, lifestyles, and etc. Well, I am having a, we're having a little hard time understanding you, but I get the, get the sense that you feel as though you were prepared for these, these um, dispositions, shall we say. Finally, critical thinkers have a sense of intellectual humility. Like they're aware of the fact that they don't know everything. You know, Socrates once said, 
that which I am most sure is the fact of my own ignorance. So it's been said that we live in an intellectually arrogant world. And all you need to do is to walk into any bar or tavern or, frankly, the public portion of a board of education meeting, and you will see and hear intellectual arrogance on a grand scale. So to what extent, Dr. Dr. Uh, Dr. Jones, do you think we cultivate this sense of intellectual humility that we're, you know, seekers of truth? You know, I think that most educators walk in with that intention. They want our children to uh, be critical thinking, critical thinkings, be mm -hmm. critical thinkers, and to be able to apply what they're learning. Sometimes I believe what happens is they get stuck in the mindset of this uh, my prep for the standardized test, and that can often get put to the side to the end because we're prepping for testing. So there is great want to provide opportunities for our children to have 21st century learning. I don't know that it always gets fulfilled at the at the the way it should. As Allison mentioned, she has opportunity to take other classes and has had, you know, the, the ability to think and um, fail and, and grow. And I, my hope is, is that that is something that can occur in every classroom. Because we have to remember that even though in many ways we segment the way we learn, we learn math, we learn English, we learn social studies in separate contexts, all of those are actually intertwined. And we think about and interact with that content every single day in our brains on a regular basis. So we're constantly doing mathematics in our brain. We're reading, we're writing, we're uh, evaluating the world around us. And that's the part that I think we've gotten away from, mm -hmm. thinking about how this integrates across all curriculums instead of and what we've done is segmented because of the high stakes that are around the standardized test. I'm glad to hear that Allison said she felt prepared. That makes my heart happy. Um, I do think we're a long way from where we can be because I am sure that there are highlights from Allison's and, and Jaya's time in school where they loved a certain class, probably because they got to think outside the box and they weren't just filling in worksheets or content or having to test prep. And that's where you see the real learning happening. You've got to take some time and learn your multiplication and division and, you know, the syntax of a sentence, but then you need to figure out how you're going to use that. Exactly. And that's where the magic happens. You bet. That is where the magic happens. I once had the privilege of observing a fourth grade classroom teacher who was teaching the rainforest for six weeks. She did oh. bills before Congress to protect rainforests. She did ecosystems of rainforests. She did percents of the earth's surface covered by rainforest. Yep. So all of those topics integrated or those subjects and disciplines were integrated into a theme that made learning so interesting and so compelling. More of that. I'm curious about your work. You, you work with young people all the time. You work with adults. What mm -hmm. kinds of activities or, 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 or lessons do you teach and how do you incorporate these things that we've just been talking about into your lessons. So it's exactly what you just mentioned with the rainforest mm. uh, concept. That's actually something that we do in what we call our English language uh, curriculum here in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools, where they've taken a topic and 
uh, rainforest would be, quite frankly, a science topic and a social studies topic and add the literacy component. But what I often do is, and that happens in elementary school, but a lot of my work is focused on middle and high school. So what we do is we'll take content around a book that you're reading, a mathematical concept, and then we'll marry that with a real world application or with a technological piece. So I embed quite a bit around computer science and technology. So we think about something like you're reading a book. How do we take that book and bring it to life? Have those words jump off the page? And that's by creating an animation or maybe we do a, um, a podcast or we may create just a digital representation of that book. And that is taking those skills and using them in a little bit of a different manner. When I think about teaching core computer science and how do we integrate 21st century learning around technology, I will take concepts like binary, we break it down into the zeros and ones, and then we may create bracelets that represent mm -hmm. that information. So then you're utilizing creativity, but also learning the mathematical functions, but you're also writing. There's all those things that come mm -hmm. together and they happen naturally. So and that's fun. the thing. It has to be, yeah, and it has to be organic. It has to happen where you know, you all of a sudden are like, oh gosh, maybe I could write a sentence about, or I'd like to explain more about how I created this bracelet. Well, that automatically flips you into the literacy component, but you're also then mathematically explaining what you just did. And that's, again, I, and I'll say it again, that's the magic. All of a sudden, all of those little individual pieces make a full circle. Wow, that sounds like fun too. And <laughs> so, you know, Jayla, can you think of a teacher or a class where you got to do something like this, where you integrated all of the, the disciplines and pursued a particular topic? Uh, yes, I can think of a teacher. Um, a few, couple of my teachers, too. I have, I've been blessed with good teachers. But mm -hmm. on what the other situation, the other question that you had, I did have some stuff to say about it. Go it, on. It was that, like, I felt like, school did not really prepare me. I agree with Allison part, but I feel like it didn't prepare me because I feel like school was pretty much kind of prison set, like mindset. They told us when to eat. They tell us when to go to the bathroom. They tell us when to do our work. They tell us how to do our work. And I feel like they're really just teaching us the stuff they want us to know instead of the stuff that we want to learn sometimes. And they leave out a lot of information, like historically, um, because they're just trying to teach us what they want us to know. So I feel like when I went to college, I learned that, like, they didn't really teach us as much as we should have really knew, especially when it came to being independent and having a lot of responsibilities. Well, to that point, Jayla, you know, social studies textbooks are notoriously filled with half-truths and outright lies. So a seemingly simple statement taken directly from a U.S. textbook says America is based on majority rule. Well, the first thing a student should ask is, which America? You know, South America, North America, Central America, the United States of America? Because if you're from South America, it might seem pretty arrogant to you to assume that every when you say America, you mean the United States. And then, by the way, nowhere in the Constitution does it say our country is based on majority rule. We're a republic. We have an electoral college. There's nothing that middle school kids find more fun than the fine lies in their textbooks. Nothing better than to say, this isn't true, this isn't right. And of course, the implication is that this is somehow better than other forms of government. So being skeptical 
which by the way, in the eighties and the early nineties was not allowed to be taught in the deep South, Mobile, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, because there was some sense that if you taught our young people to be skeptical, they might question authority. They might challenge the status quo. Either one of our wonderful students here today, do you, do you feel as though you were encouraged to be skeptical? Um, I can go first. Um, I definitely feel like I wasn't able to be skeptical because, um, for example, I know for sure in some of my um, history classes within middle school and high school and even elementary school, um, like all of my years um, before I came to college, um, I would ask me like, so did this happen or was this true? And then they're like, well, the textbook says this. Well, <laughs> the internet says this. So which one is it really? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you never really know until you actually are able to either go to college or do the research on your own. And even then and still, you're still questionable because of the misconceptions you were told all these years and like just everything like that not actually learning the truth. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I only, I'm sorry, but yeah, I only had one teacher in my whole like elementary school, middle school, high school. I, it was in high school. Her name was Miss Davis. She was a Latin American studies class. She was the only teacher I knew that will literally tell us what the textbooks say and tell us the actual thing. But she hmm. would say, this is what the school will want you to put down. But this right. is actually what happened. This is the truth. Like, she'll wow. break it down. Wow, good for her. Let me tell you something. We're going to end. We're going to take a break right after this. When I was much younger, I was the K-12 supervisor of social studies. And it wasn't until six years ago that I found out about the Tulsa massacre. And I was the person in charge. Didn't know anything about this. Was never taught anything about this. So we're going to hit it. We're going to put a pause, <laughs> put a pin in it right now. This has been a really provocative and interesting conversation. Thank you all. In a moment, we're going to take a break. In fact, right now, you're going to find out more about MECED, uh, the, the wonderful nonprofit that I'm honored to lead in Charlotte, North Carolina. You can also donate by going to our website, meched.org. The best is yet to come. We're going to see you on the other side. Thanks for listening. So MECED is a college and career readiness uh, institution that is very committed to workforce development, has been for quite some time, with a special emphasis on making sure that the kids who face obstacles in our community have a fair shot at a bright future. Right now we're working with young people from uh, Garinger, from Harding, University High, West Charlotte, and Chambers High School. Uh, before the pandemic, they were all on the bottom fifth of the economic ladder. These days, they, it's hard for them to even find that ladder. Then we provide job shadows, uh, paid internships. We'll put, pay for career clothing, transportation, food, certification programs. The goal is to make sure that every, every young person in Mecklenburg County has an opportunity to, to live a life where they can thrive, both in school and out of school. And we believe that that doesn't happen just by being in school, that school isn't enough, that to be educated requires much more than school. Experiences matter. My experiences with MECED, uh, they put me in an internship at the hospital for two years. I think, I, th I do think MECED is invested in me um, living my dream. They want the best for each and every one of their students. And it's like they won't go down without a fight. <laughs> so MECED means opportunity. 
enjoy friendship. I am a healthcare tech at Atrium Health University in the Maternity Center. Uh, career Pathways, we work with underserved high school students. We put them in internships at 135 different businesses and industries around Mecklenburg County. It's, it's a powerful economic mobility machine. The experience with Career Pathways, it made me more determined. That's how I got my job at Atrium, because I volunteered for four years at the hospital. So it made me get connections, and, and they said, I'll, I'll give you a call. With um, the students that we've had, the preparation that they had through Career Pathways was just exceptional. Honestly, I don't know what I would do without Career Pathways. Like, I don't want to see it. Like, it's not, I don't know. Having someone to talk to and a shoulder to cry on, you know, different family. MECED's been around since 1991. We're here to serve young people in Mecklenburg County, and we're here uh, to make sure that they have the experiences, the knowledge, the skills that they are going to need to thrive in life. Young people spend only 20% of their time in school. 80% of their life is spent outside of school. And we want to make sure that we recognize that education doesn't just equal school. We learn in all different kinds of places and different ways. With after school, you're, you're hitting on academics, you're hitting on the things that they might not have during regular school. So like, we have visual art, dance, theater, coding. They still get to do with their friends at school, with people who are just like them. Some of them don't even know they could dance. They didn't know, some of them don't know that they can draw. Um, so we try to bring those things out of them that they don't even know that they're capable of. But we've really enjoyed the support and appreciated the support from Charlotte Next and MacEd, not just in um, financial assistance, but also just giving us assistance and support along the way to get the programs up and running. Not every student has the opportunity to experience and, and participate in in-school or out-of-school activities. They have so many demands on themselves. And MECED opens that door to those students. Every student is different. And what MECED does a fabulous job of is meeting that student where they are. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back from recess to Let's Reinvent School with Ross Danis. Got your thinking cap on today? We're going to teach you how to reinvent the public education system. Want to raise your hand and join us on the show? Call in to 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Ross Danis. Welcome back, everyone, to Let's Reinvent School, the program that focuses on what's possible not what's wrong. Now, we're here with Dr. Sharon Jones. We're here with our wonderful college students and former MECED Career Pathways participants, Jalen Allison. And as you know, we'll be, we're going to hear from our respondent, Mr. Omar Parks, in segment three. He's going to help us answer the question, what have we learned today? So right now, we're going to turn our attention to creativity. You know, a lot of people conflate creativity with the arts. Don't get me wrong. I'm an enthusiastic supporter of the arts. And I believe that they should play a big part in anyone's education and life, for that matter. But creativity can be fostered across an entire range of curriculum. Imagination is the wellspring of creativity. 
With imagination, you can visit the past in your mind's eye. You can cast your mind into the future and speculate and anticipate. You can see and feel how one might feel. Creativity puts your imagination to work. It has outcomes. It's an applied process. It's innovative. And it's important. So, Jayla, do you think you were encouraged to be creative in high school? I would like to say I was not encouraged to be creative in high school, simply because, for example, I remember that we only have a girls volleyball team. And I seen in gym class that the boys really enjoy playing volleyball and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, it'd be cool if there was a boys volleyball team. So I decided to go around school, seeing how many pictures I could get for boys to see if they were interested in volleyball. And I got like two pages, three pages of signatures. So I was like, oh, people are actually interested in this. Like, this can be like something like thinking like I was really going somewhere with it. But as soon as I went to um, the sports administration, immediately it was shut down because he was like, there's a different sport running at this time. Like he didn't even think of a chance that it could be a club or it could be after school sport or it could be something on the side. He even, he just immediately shut it down. They didn't want to hear about it no more. And I was just like, okay, so. Yeah. A little bit out of the box, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to be creative there. Yeah. Allison, how about you? Anyone in your high school experience you recall encouraging you to be creative? Allison, we're, we're going to have to pause there because we're having some technical difficulties. We'll come back to you in just a few minutes. Creativity is at the heart of what it means to be educated. Creative work typically does not have a single set of answers. In fact, failure, failure is a part of every creative process. It demands failure and going down the wrong road. Any scientist, ask any scientist, and they'll tell you that they fail 90% of the time, perhaps 99% of the time. They just don't call it failure. Jayla, Allison, you know what they call scientists? You know what a scientist calls failure? An experiment. An experiment. So nothing nothing happens right away. We experiment with things, and then we see the outcome of our experiments. And it's not based on just whimsical you know, creation of ideas. It, it's based on content. There's a famous jazz pianist called Thelonious Monk who broke so many harmonic rules that it sounded much like my daughter when she was a toddler banging on the piano. The difference between Mackenzie and Monk, Monk knew the harmonic rules he was breaking. Da Vinci in 1491 actually drew what later became known as a helicopter. He just didn't wake up in the morning, slap his forehead and say, you know, helicopters. He studied wind. He studied aerodynamics. He watched birds fly. Picasso, this is my last example, didn't just start as an abstract painter looking like something a child could do. Uh, He was a realist at one point. He understood principles of painting and brush strokes. uh, It just didn't happen that he splattered paint on a canvas. So I would argue that all creativity emerges from content in fact, Mr. Parks, you know, who's on the side of DJ, is very creative. But if you don't know how to keep a beat, 
it doesn't matter how create, creative you are, you're not going to be a good DJ. So, so with that, I'd like to turn to Dr. Jones and say, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to educate an entire generation of young people who will lead us into a bright future where we can thrive based on their creativity? How's that going to happen? Ooh, that's a, that's yeah. a loaded question, Ross. Yeah. Um, the, the bigger piece that has to come about is we really have to have some conversations around what is happening in our current education system. We need to have a conversation with our educators, with our administrators, with the legislator who are making decisions about content or testing. And I'll be honest with you, I've actually mentioned this many, many, many years ago. I would challenge, and I will put that challenge out there right now, for any legislator to come and spend a week in our schools. If you can't spend a week, spend a day or two. And get to understand what it looks like when you put all these things around, all these things you think we need to do, and see what's really happening. Because if we're going to make create fundamental change, here's the thing. It's going to be messy. In order for us to create creators, we have to, it's not going to have a perfect algorithm or a perfect sequence. Now, believe me, I enjoy a great algorithm because <laughs> I am a computer scientist. Who does? But a computer, right. Then a computer <laughs> needs that. And there is time. There's a time and place for it. There's a time where you do need that. And there does need to be structure. But I mentioned this a little bit in the break. Where we need to see changes, we have to teach young people and our teachers the tools and the framework for what we want them to learn and accomplish, and then allow them to do the learning. The person that's doing the talking is doing the learning. So if you're standing up in front of lecturing everybody, you're the one that's really learning because think about what the kids are doing at their seats. I mean, you guys were on your phones, Jalen, Allison. I was doodling in my notebook all those hundreds of years ago when I was in school, right? But there's a, you have to have that mindset switch. How are we going to do it? It's going to take time and we're going to have to be patient. And there's going to be what I call quick wins or small victories, where we are going to begin to see schools and teachers embrace the ability of letting kids fail and letting it be messy. And as I that heard, happens, you'll see the change. I heard the famous educator Richard Paul once say that school has become a word-swallowing, mind-stuffing exercise in cognitive anesthesia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sadly, he, he also went on to say that young people have been turned into vending machines for right answers. Yes, they have. Right? And we just get, we get uh, approval from that. Just yesterday, I read that some 64% of the students who read a word problem that has the word less in it will subtract regardless of what that word problem is asking them to do. Mm -hmm. Cause because that's what they, they've been. Yeah. They've been that's taught. what they've been given the sequence to do. Exactly. So there was something though I wanted to say, and, and this is, I, I need to, I want to make this evident. You say this in the beginning of your show that you don't want to talk about all that's wrong with our education system. We want to talk about mm -hmm. what we do to make change. So if we think about this properly, all the education system is not a goner. It's not a loss. There is great things happening in our schools. 
I mean, even I, I know that Jayla and Allison can think of some great things that they were able to participate in and have doors open. I mean, think about even the work that Mech Ed is doing, the work that I do with nine, my own nonprofit where I support girls in computer science. There are great things that are happening, but we need to have a fundamental conversation in this country about how we go forward in teaching our students. Doesn't mean we have to take the baby out with the bath water or whatever, or like scratch the whole thing. We just have to restructure how we are presenting information because we're not in the same place that we were in 1950. My goodness, we're not in the same place we were in 1980. The resources that we have as educators and the students have and as the community support is beyond anything we can imagine that we would have had even, you know, 15 years ago when I stepped into the classroom. So there is great positivity that can come from this. I just think we have to stop and rethink. It doesn't have to be the same. Change is not always bad. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think you're on mute. Yep. Couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, we find our schools somewhat resistant to change. Um, and, you know, the idea that we make important what's measurable instead of measuring what matters. That's what I hear you saying. Mm-hmm. That there are way- And there are ways to measure the kinds of things we're talking about here. Creativity, critical and creative thinking, et cetera, et cetera. Allison, Jayla, what's on your mind? Jump in. Either one of you. How about Jayla? What would you change? What would you change if you could go back? What would you change about your school? Um, what would I change about it? I'll probably change the discipline. Because I felt as though the discipline revolting back to like society and going back to America and how it's just like a prison. I feel like our discipline was very towards, you know, on the racist side when it came to the BMTs and stuff handling us, I feel like they handled handled us a little bit more aggressively as if we were no longer teenagers anymore. And I feel like that's something that they should be trying to let us see less of, you know, because, and teach us more about it because in the real world it's going to be probably a lot, lot of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Has college changed that for you? Do you feel certain sense of freedom? I feel like in some aspects, there is some people in there sometimes, and you just think, like, it's just life, you know? It's just life. So, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of people there that's welcoming. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of welcome people. There's a lot of open-minded people. I can see a lot of people changing, especially due to the current events that's been happening in the world. A lot of people trying to open their eyes and, like, try to talk about it more and try to get more insight and educate themselves. But there is some times where it's just – some people that can still be a little ignorant or still unaware of other people's feelings or like choices. Mm. Yeah. You having fun? Yes. In college? <laughs> yes. I hope so. I hope so. And learning can be fun. Tell us more, a little bit about your major. Oh, so I'm a kinesiology major. Um, back in high school, I used to stay after school with the athletic trainer um margo and i used to help the athletes and i used to really enjoy like help help like learning to like wrap them or watching the game and just being ready on standby to see if like somebody get hurt and like they run to the side and like i get to help and see what happens and when i was in college like my college is really good on mental health and good on like really trying to figure out who you are Mm -hmm. so when i was sitting there i realized 
like my old major, which was nursing. It wasn't really for me. It was for like the people around me. I feel like I wanted to do something that was more for me. And I feel like athletic training was what I was more interested in. So, yeah. You know, with all of the problems in the world these days, you would think that there would be a focus on how to solve problems, problem solving. Mm. Dr. Jones. Yeah, I was just saying, Jayla, when you were saying that what you loved the most was if something happened, you were able to immediately go out there and see if you could figure out what the problem was. Immediately, and I'm like problem solving because as humans, we are naturally curious. We want to know what, like, we want to solve, we want to know more about that. I mean, think about like, okay, this is a sort of a, a crazy example, but like I'll watch a movie or something on TV. Oh, like, oh, I know what this is a good one. Sing, anybody watch Sing? And I want to know the voice behind the animated character. So I'll start Googling to figure it out, right? Problem solving, it's, well, it's applying knowledge, right? I'm having to utilize my literary skills to actually figure out how to spell it, look for the name, all those kinds of things. But curiosity is what drives us as humans. And when we take that away from education, that's when we start stripping the, uh, the power of what education can be. And even that comes down to all of the things that have happened in terms of racial issues, economic diversity. If we go back to the center of what we're wanting to teach, we want to teach people skills and give them a toolbox to be able to solve problems. Because we are curious and we want to know answers. Love it. You know, in our, in our shop here at MechEd, and Omar will attest to this, This we, um, we love looking up expressions. You know, somebody will say, you know, well, we gave him the bums rush. I'm like, where did that come from? You know, who first <laughs> said that, for God's sake, sir? Uh, and just so many of them are rooted in, you know, the, the, the early 1900s. Uh, a dry run, for example. Somebody said, well, let's do a dry run. I'm like, where did that, again, where did that come from? It came from fire departments that would do a dry run before they wasted water, you know, on a, on a real fire. So that, That's so cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Do, well, that, the thing is that this just curiosity, as you said, yes. that kind of a mind works that way, and that's the way yep. you uh, go about life. Mm-hmm. So we're, uh, we're about 30 seconds before our final break. This show is going so quickly. Uh, <laughs> My goodness, when we come back, Mr. Omar, Mr. Parks, the wonderful, amazing Omar Parks is going to help us answer the question, what have we learned today? So when we, when we, when we come back, again, uh, from the break, we're going to have learned about more about MechEd, if you haven't learned enough already, and uh, we're going to know that your donations will go directly to support the work and the students who need us the most, including the Dottie Rose Foundation, which Dr. Jones works with. Um, don't go away. Thank you all for listening. We'll be right back. So MechEd is a college and career readiness uh, institution that is very committed to workforce development, has been for quite some time, with a special emphasis on making sure that the kids who face obstacles in our community have a fair shot at a bright future. Right now we're working with young people from uh, Garinger, from Harding, University High, West Charlotte, and Chambers High School. Before the pandemic, they were all on the bottom fifth of the economic ladder. These days, it's hard for them to even find that ladder. Then we provide job shadows, uh, paid internships. We'll pay for career clothing, transportation, food, certification programs. Goal to make sure that every every young person in Mecklenburg County has an opportunity to, to live a life where they can thrive. 
both in school and out of school. And we believe that that doesn't happen just by being in school, that school isn't enough, that to be educated requires much more than school. Experiences matter. My experiences with MedEd, uh, they put me in an internship at the hospital for two years. I think I, th I do think MedEd is invested in me um, living my dream. They want the best for each and every one of their students. And it's like they won't go down without a fight. <laughs> so MedEd means opportunity, family, friendship. I am a healthcare tech at Atrium Health University in the Maternity Center. Uh, career Pathways. We work with underserved high school students. We put them in internships at 135 different businesses and industries around Mecklenburg County. It's, it's a powerful economic mobility machine. The experience with Career Pathways, it made me more determined. That's how I got my job at Atrium because I volunteered for four years at the hospital. So it made me get connections and, and they said, I'll, I'll give you a call. With um, the students that we've had, the preparation that they had through Career Pathways was just exceptional. Honestly, I don't know what I would would do without Career Pathways. Like, I don't want to see it. Like, it's not. I don't know having someone to talk to and a shoulder to cry on. You know, different family. MECED's been around since 1991. We're here to serve young people in Mecklenburg County, and we're here uh, to make sure that they have the experiences, the knowledge, the skills that they are going to need to thrive in life. Young people spend only 20% of their time in school. 80% of their life is spent outside of school. And we want to make sure that we recognize that education doesn't just equal school. We learn in all different kinds of places and different ways. With after school, you're, you're hitting on academics, you're hitting on the things that they might not have during regular school. So like, you have visual art, dance, theater, coding. They still get to do with their friends at school, with people who are just like them. Some of them don't even know they could dance. They didn't know, some of them don't know that they can draw. Um, so we try to bring those things out of them that they don't even know that they're capable of. But we've really enjoyed the support and appreciated the support from Charlotte Next and Mac Ed, not just in um, financial assistance, but also just giving us assistance and support along the way to get the programs up and running. Not every student has the opportunity to experience and, and participate in in-school or out-of-school activities. They have so many demands on themselves. And MECED opens that door to those students. Every student is different. And what MECED does a fabulous job of is meeting that student where they are. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back from recess to Let's Reinvent School with Ross Danis. Got your thinking cap on today? We're going to teach you how to reinvent the public education system. Want to raise your hand and join us on the show? Call in to 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Ross Danis. Welcome back, everyone, to Let's Reinvent School, the program that tries 
to focus on what's positive and what's possible, not entirely focused on what's wrong with our schools. We have talked quite a bit about what needs to change during this program. And we were talking on the break about synthesis, synthesizing ideas, putting two ideas together to form a new whole. Creativity is at the seat of synthesis. And, and in order to do that, sometimes we have to quiet the mind. And it's an interesting uh, point I want to make before we go to Mr. Parks and what have we learned today. But, you know, Native Americans say that, that they call it cricket talk. They just say most people just rehash all of the stuff they already know. And for creativity, for, to be creative, we actually have to quiet that mind and allow new ideas to emerge. That's why many of us will point to an idea that happened while we were in the shower or while we were taking a long drive. It's when we're not thinking that we actually enable those, uh, those connections to be made in our brains to produce synthesis where we take ideas that we've been thinking about or not even, maybe not even thinking about, but they're inside somewhere deep in our psyche. So the whole subject of creativity just fascinates me, and it fascinates our guests. I'm sure, Mr. Parks, we turn to you. What have you, what have we been learning? What have you learned today? Well, thank you, Dr. Dennis. I've learned a lot to tell you the truth. I, uh, it, uh, so many of the things that I've that we covered today just brought me back to my days in um, in school and the fact that you know where I went to school, there was a lot of focus on developing a creatively thinking mind. I can think back into um, elementary or middle school where we had on the walls, you know, they would have words. Like I remember specifically metacognition was one of the words on the wall in my um, middle or elementary school. Um, and and I, I, I just don't see a lot of that in, in the time that I spend in the school system today. But when I listen to you describe a critical thinker as somebody that is um, metacog practices metacognition, um, is skeptical and is a fair-minded person and, and, and is capable of expressing empathy. Um, I think about that and I think about um, the fact that that has to be something that is intentionally fostered. Um, I'm encouraged, it's, while it is unfortunate that I don't see enough of that happening in the schools and that was actually uh, reinforced by Jayla and Allison, I'm encouraged that uh, they are experiencing that when they go to college. Um, I think that even though it may not be something that is focused on as much in the school system, it's clearly um, coming from somewhere. Jayla made a comment that he was able to recognize <clears throat> a difference in the treatment of her and her friends, as opposed uh, to some of her counterparts of different uh, demographic makeups, basically racism. Um, and um, I think it, that requires in itself to be able to recognize that that requires some critical thinking um, instead of just, accepting things to be that the way that be the way that they are she was able to recognize that something was wrong and and acknowledge that so i think that there is there is there is a responsibility on the school's behalf to develop and nurture creative thinkers um, but I, I i feel encouraged that it is coming at least from jayla and allison they're getting that from home and some other parts of their environment also you know, Mr. Parks, you make me think of something that um, I'm hesitant to say because it it's going to be controversial. But I, I do think the polarization of our country wouldn't be as bad if more people had nurtured that uh, their critical and creative thinking skills. Absolutely. And frankly, oh, here we go. I'm not quite sure that anyone has even read the Second Amendment. Many of the people who point to it as 
as this, you know, thing that we can't touch or they interpret in their own way. Um, maybe a little more skepticism, a little bit more interrogation, let's say, uh, into the topics and the crises and the problems that we're facing these days would be would be good. What's the alternative? The alternative is just we just accept it. And we have a lot of people who are um, revisionist historians, I like to call them. Yeah. And without us being, um, you know, critical thinkers, um, that will all just pass. It will all be fine. Uh, we will never have to talk about the, the, the roots and the foundation that this country was built on. And um, there are a faction of people who will benefit from that. Right. So I think it's important that we are, we are intentional about creating. You know, Thomas Jefferson was famous for having said, uh, keep your people educated. Least they become sheep led by wolves. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're turning to you, Dr. Jones. We always do this when we get in trouble here. Um, bring us out of this. Take us in a positive direction. So what I, w- I was just typing in the uh, thinking through this. I think there's a couple of things we want to think about here. We want to remain curious. That, that at the core is who we are as humans. I loved what you just said about the Native Americans stopping and thinking about, you know, oftentimes we just repeat what we know. And that happened, like, just like you said, like, people have not taken the time to stop and read what the Second Amendment mm-hmm. has to say. And this is, let me also take this back. Many people read it when they were in fourth or fifth grade, but they haven't gone back to revisit mm-hmm. that conversation. So it's about remaining, being, uh, being curious, remembering to have humility, that each of us are humans. There are humans in a classroom. There are humans, when we are adults, even though we're not sitting in the four walls of a school, we we are learning every day. There's a new fact. There's something new that's coming into our life that's going to cause us to think about things differently. And also think it's really imperative that you always remember that you have the ability to solve problems. You've got at the core, you know, when you learn to read and to write, when you learn to read, think about the complexity that takes to learn to read the English language. That is like crazy sauce. Mm-hmm. The English language, I mean, my, my, I have two young children, as you mentioned in my bio, and it is a crazy to me, the process of how my kids have learned to read, you know, and I am so in awe of watching their brains work through that process. We have that we are, ma- our brains are magical. We also have to remember that when we're working with young folks, their brains are not fully developed until the age of 25. So there's things that we can tell them that they, it, it, you know, sometimes it goes like, <laughs> because you can't just stuff all that in there because the brain has to be able to synthesize, take those two facts and make them one and remember that. But I think at the core, if we can remember to be curious, to remember to have humility with one another and know that we can solve a problem, it's life-changing. You don't have to think, stress about it all because the truth of the matter is we don't know everything. You may think you do, but you don't. No, I certainly don't. (laughs) My wife does. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Well, well, there are things that we do know, gentlemen, that I will say. There are things, just, you know, there are things. Uh, I understand. (laughs) <laughs> but in general, when you're thinking about learning, you know, it's uh, that's the joy yes. that keeps us a lot. That keeps everything like exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, go ahead, Omar. I always find a way to 
bring every conversation, bring my granddaughter into every conversation that I'm ever a part of. But um, I can say, you know, I, I, uh, Dr. Jones, you spoke about curiosity being such a big part of human development. And if you ever wanted to see that in action, just look at a baby. Uh, 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 this past year that, that, you know, I've had my grandchild live with me. She is just the most curious being. There yep. can't, there's, not, there's not a movement that can happen anywhere around her where she's not turning her head or there's not, there's always something she's trying to pick up or discover. And I think that if, if that is something that is a natural part of the human condition, but I also feel that that can be dulled if it's not intentionally nurtured. Um, so I think it's, in, it's important that we recognize how important a part of development it is to be curious, be a lifelong learner, because without that, uh, without you being intentional about that, it will be dulled and it will not be something that's a part of you. You know, Omar, there's a very famous study of divergent thinking and divergent thinking is used as a proxy for creative thinking. And they, they studied a group of two-year-olds. and They followed them all the way through their 20s. So what percentage of two-year-olds do you think would score high on a test of divergent thinking? It was close to 98%. And we watched that percentage go down as they go through school. They come back to them in fourth grade, it drops to 32%. They come back to them as teenagers, 19%. By the time they're 22, it's between 2 and 4% of those young people who are divergent thinkers. And the only thing that happened to them was school that somehow squeezed all of that out. So to your point about your granddaughter, uh, you're absolutely right. Their minds are big sponges, you know, and they can't wait to pick something up and play with it and put it in their mouth usually. <laughs> so, yes. Um, and Allison, are you back? How's your, how's your, your uh, sound? We want you to weigh in on this idea of creativity. Hi, hello. Hello, there you are. Ah, great. Yeah, um, I agree with what you guys are saying completely. Like, um, like you said about your granddaughter, um, Mr. Parks, um, I actually just saw my little cousin the other day. She just turned one. And, like, just seeing her from, like, just the development of the human brain and children and everything like that, just being able to experience it is a great thing. And, like, how um, Dr. Jones um, spoke about um, – our creativity as children is stripped. Uh, our curiosity as children is stripped. I definitely agree because even as like going throughout elementary school, middle school, and high school, there were times where I just I was curious about something, but I just didn't ask the question because it just seemed like it wasn't really an open enough space for me to actually ask. So therefore, I would just either wait and look it up myself, or just ask my parents or someone else because at the time it just didn't seem like it was an open enough space for me to actually be able to express my thoughts and my questions, things like that. I am so thrilled that your sound came back because we needed to hear that. Yes, we did. So well-spoken, Allison. Yeah. Thank so, you. Thank you. So, you know, this idea of, of creativity and innovation and imagination and interrogation, the idea that you're going to interrogate an idea, you're going to look at it, hold it up to the light and say, is this true? How do I know this is true? And even if it is true, so what? What, what, what about it is that important? Uh, that's, that's a way of living. It's a, it's a way of life. And it's, it's about being, as Dr. Jones just said, and Mr. Mr. Parks just said, 
It's about being curious, always uh, looking at the world anew. I remember many years ago on my first job, I was working with two older gentlemen. They had aged out and they couldn't pick up the trash at the lakes and I was there to help them. And, um, and I remember that this guy was called Old Piney. He was 94 years old. He couldn't drive the truck, but he drove along with us and he got out and he was looking at the lake one morning that we were cleaning up and he said, uh, I ain't never seen a sunrise like that before. And I thought to my, I was 15 years old. And I thought to myself, I want to be 93, be able to look out at a lake and say, I've never seen a sunrise like that before. So whatever that is, I wish we could package that and, and, and have everybody embrace sort of that way of looking at the world. So once again, time flies by on Let's Reinvent School. The takeaway for me is that we want our students to succeed as the adult. We want civilization to thrive, even survive, uh, if we're going to, be, you know, have to be, we're going to have to do better. School does not equal education. Education does not equal intelligence. There are lots of ways to be smart. Let's do whatever we can to foster the critical and creative dispositions in our young people. So thank you, Dr. Jones, Sharon Jones, Mr. Parks, Omar Parks, and Jayla Sloan and Allison Taylor. In fact, special thanks to you, Jayla and Allison, the most brilliant inventors among us. Why? Because you're both inventing your lives. We want you to remember this. Success is simply being willing to fail one more time. Thank you to our listeners. This program, along with all of the other programs of this in this series, can be found on the web or simply by saying, Siri, play Let's Reinvent. No, Siri, don't do it now. Let's Reinvent School. And who invented Siri anyway? In a couple of days, this program, along with everything, is going to be available wherever you get your podcasts. Please join us next Thursday, June 9th, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, when we're going to put a big spotlight on college and career readiness, career and technical education, and workforce development. Are they the same thing? How are they different? This is Ross Dennis, and you've been listening to Let's Reinvent School on Voice America's Variety Channel. channel. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong, stay the course. We've got this. Thank you for listening to Let's Reinvent School. Tune in next week as we give you some more great insight into the state of the public education system. Until next week, class dismissed.